today on It's Time. Don't think that just because you've gone through some hard things in being a Christian that God doesn't love you. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Simply because he was a Christian. Because he wouldn't confess that Nero was God. And so because of that, this is the penalty that he endured, but it was for the good. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, the great Bible in Russia uses the word Sunday here. The Lord's day through the New Testament generally meant Sunday. Uh, I don't have any argument with anybody that wants to worship on Saturday or Sunday or for the paramedics and the police department. Your day of rest may be Tuesday or Thursday or some other day. But anybody that says that worshiping on Sunday is the mark of the beast is absolutely lying through their teeth. John got this revelation on the Lord's day. In fact, Paul says when you come together on the first day of the week, So if your day of rest is uh, the Sabbath, Saturday, praise God. If your day of rest and celebration of who Jesus Christ is is on Sunday, praise God. If you have to work on those days and your day is off as Wednesday, praise God. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as that of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, first and the last, and what you see, write in a book. And send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Very clearly, he had a message for them. And what you're going to find in this, you're going to find these churches with their individual problems. You're going to find basically the history of the church. And you're going to find also these issues that are alive today in churches as we look across America and around the world. You're going to see these same same blessings and inadequacies that are there. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about, and his chest with a golden band. And his head and hair were like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if it had been refined in a furnace. In other words, really shiny, really bright. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. You want to know what the sound of many waters is? Well, uh, Shoshone Falls is chugging right now. And you know, you might just go down there sometime and just stand there on the lookout looking at the waterfall and listening to the water coming over the side and how it roars. That's talking about the sound of many waters. I kind of like that. 
And so he says, had in his hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. Uh, By the way, the Bible says God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. We know that. And you might say, well, what are these stars and all this? Interestingly enough, as we read on, it's going to tell us what the stars in his hand were. Now notice this. He says, in his right hand were seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was like the sun, shining in strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his hand on me, saying, Don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive evermore. Amen. We know absolutely this is talking about Jesus Christ. You'll never find God the Father saying, I was dead. But we remember that so there was no issue about identification. Jesus, when he was crucified on the cross, died He rose from the dead and is alive evermore. So this is really important. Notice again, I am first and last. First and last in the Greek, it's Alpha and Omega. This is the same claim that God the Father makes where he says, I am Alpha and Omega beginning in the end. Jesus here makes that same claim that he's Alpha and Omega uh, first and last as well. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive evermore. Amen. And I have the keys to Haiti and death. Finally, a solution to the problem of death. You know that? You know, people have been looking. You ever, you know, Ponce de Leon, God in a boat, looking for the fountain of youth. Why? Because youth would imply that you've got a long time to go before you kick off, Okay. See, that, that's the thing. We all think we got life by the tail until there is a major day that's a life changer. And then all of a sudden, maybe life just doesn't go on. What is the only cure for death? It's Jesus. There's no other. And so he says, I've got the keys to death and hell. I like that. Lock that up and get rid of it. Write these things you have seen the things that are, and the things which will take place after this. The word there in the Greek is metatalte. We're going to see this word several, several times. And the reason why it's important is this. It talks about, metatalte is the things after what you have just read, or the things after this order. So the book of Revelation does flow in an order, and that's why it's important. We're going to talk about that, especially when we get to chapter 4 the things that will take place after this. Now, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, are the seven gold and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. So the stars, the lampstands, it's the messenger and the churches. Why is that? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. If the world's ever going to get saved, friend, generally it's going to be through us who love Jesus. That's why we're saved. That's why we're still here. I'd love it when we'd come forward and accept Christ as our Savior and just, we go right to heaven. That'd be good. But God left us here for a lot of reasons. One, to refine us so we would know more of who God is. We would be dependent upon him. But number two, that we would be light and salt in a world that doesn't know him. 
So he tells him to write down these things. And by the way, you'll find Jesus walking amongst the lampstands, Jesus walking among churches. I, I like that. The word angel is the word messenger, which could speak of an angel over that particular church, or it could also speak of the pastor or the the person teaching God's word there. So he writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, and by the way, the word Ephesus means, if you like to make things in your Bible, it's the word desirable. Desirable is what the church at Ephesus means. To the church of the angel of Ephesus, write. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Again, we've already determined what that was. It tells us in the preceding chapter, the lampstands are the churches, the stars are the messenger. So we know who that is. He says, write this to them. I know your works. And by the way, God does. He knows what we do. And by the way, he knows why we do what we do. Um, And he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and they're not. And I have found them and have found them liars. He, he, He... They've rooted the poison out. And you have preserved and you, you, excuse me, you have persevered and you have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So far, so good. Hey, you know, if this is a report card, you're getting straight A so far. But then notice what it says. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Notice it didn't say they lost their first love. It says they left their first love. It's interesting. All these things they were doing. Notice again, your patience. You cannot bear those that are evil. Uh, you, You do all these things. What they once did because they loved, now they're doing out of obligation. What they once did because they had a love for God, now they just feel like it's my duty. I've got to do it. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen. Notice those words left and fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now remember, he's writing to people that are believers here. These are pretty strong words. He says that you need to remember and repent and do what you did at first for the right reason. Now, friends, again, motivation is everything. I I use this illustration so often because it's one of the best ones I can think of. Two men in a a drugstore getting their their wife cards for, for, um, for their anniversary. One is there because he genuinely is looking for the right things to say to his wife because he loves her. The other one is looking there to give her a card so she won't say, you forgot our anniversary and eat burnt food the rest of the year. Motivation is everything. Now, to the casual observer from the outside, oh, look, both those men love their wife. They're both buying their wife's uh, um, anniversary cards. But the motive can be completely different. And Jesus 
is more concerned with the motive of what we do and why we do things than what we do. Now, a lot of times people say, and especially in a 21st century America, the end justifies the means. No, it doesn't. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you can have all these things, but if you're not doing it for the right reason, well, Jesus won't stay around a loveless church. And so he says that. Remember. Now, I love that about remembrance because... I forget. He says, remember there from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from your place unless you repent. But this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. We don't know a lot about the Nicolaitans other than what the word implies. Nicole means priesthood, over a man. Nicolaity means priesthood over, over a man. Laity is the people. Nicole is priesthood over the laity. So Nicolaity means you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans or setting up the religious hierarchy. He said, I hate that. I think that's important to understand. You know why? Because God wants you to relate to him as a dad, not as some unknowable God. This is one of the greatest problems I have with religion today. And you don't have to talk to somebody very long to find out whether they truly have a relationship with God and they go, Daddy, or whether they're going, Hocus Pocus, Domino, because Nabisco, Vanilla Wafers, I bet you I can beat you all in Domino's. All of you Italians, get off the lawn. I'm sorry, I had to do that. But no, they've changed this loving relationship with your Father in Heaven, just like you have an earthly dad. Your Father in Heaven loves you and wants to have that relationship, and religion junks it up. Again, my friend coming, Robert, who'll be with us. Uh, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He come to restore a relationship between you and your dad that was lost in the garden. And religion never does that. Religion says, go out and earn it. Prove your worth. Go out, burn so many incense sticks. Go out, and they have all this different hierarchy that you do to somehow get right. And your father in heaven just says, just come and love me. Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I can't stress it enough because this is the antithesis, the exact opposite of what religion is. Religion says you've got to earn it. You've got to show your worthiness. You've got to get out there and do your performance, all these things. And your Father in heaven just says, just come to me. I love you. Why are they doing all this weird religious junk? I think anything the devil can do to estrange you from your Father in heaven is what he will do. And if he's got to junk it up with religion, friends, that's what he'll do. But remember, when they came to Jesus, they said, how should we pray? And he said, when you pray, pray like this. Oh, unknowable God in the farthest most cosmos that must be continually appeased. No. He said, our Father which art in heaven. And they take our Father, which art in heaven, this father-child relationship, and turn it into a mechanical min- insanity. Our Father, which art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, Why are you doing this? 
Don't you know you have a dad in heaven that loves you, that wants to watch over you and guide you, and you go and talk to him every day like you would talk to your earthly father. And for you that maybe never had a good earthly father, my heart goes out to you. I had a great er earthly father that's now in heaven. But it was a dad. My dad could fix anything. If I'd break it, he'd fix it. And I love that about him. I broke a lot of stuff. But the thing is, I could understand my father in heaven because I had such a good earthly father. But if you don't and didn't have a good earthly father, maybe you never knew your earthly father. Maybe he left your mom when you were young or maybe threw you against wall or sexually abused you. I don't know. There's so many things that men do today that are so ungodly. I just want you to know you've got a father in heaven that loves you. And if you're a guy and you say, well, Mike, I wish I would have had a good earthly father example, you can follow your, earth, your heavenly father's example in his word, where he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, not even into the end of the age. That's the kind of relationship God wants with us, not something that has to be appeased and far away. And so he says, you hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, this priesthood over man, this mechanical thing that gets between you and your relationship with God. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is the midst in the paradise of God. By the way, that's what we've all been deprived from since we fell. Remember the tree of life was in the garden? But when man refused to obey God, we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead. And so God, to keep, to keep us from living forever in a lost condition, kicked man out of the garden. It's really an act of mercy. Imagine Adam and Eve being in a fallen state, eating from the tree of life and perpetuating that. Oh, that'd been bad. So God removed him out of the garden of Eden. He says... And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write. Now this was a persecuted church, and this, this word Smyrna means bitter. These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty. And by the way, the tribulation is not the great tribulation. It's talking about just all the junk that has happened to you because you have your faith. And actually, if we're looking at this, the early church started off like we just read Ephesus. They were doing all kinds of great things, but it began, began to become mechanical. Persecution then came into the church through the, uh, the Judaizers and then through the Roman government. This is what we're finding here. I know your tribulation, your poverty, and the reason why is because they didn't go along with the thing of the day. And so because of that, they didn't get the good jobs. You know, in Russia, a lot of people didn't understand under the communist regime, there were jobs, but if you would renounce God, embrace the state as your God, and you would become a full communist. In other words, there is no God. And I, I often wonder about one particular political party we have right now that is so anti-God in our nation. And yet there's so much for government taking over everything. It's almost an eerie thing of Stalin and some of these guys. But here's what you do. You would renounce God. You would embrace communism. You would embrace the state as your God. And then you became one of the worker bees. And then they would award you the good jobs. 
And if you wouldn't do that, if you could find a job, it was a very poor paying job. And that's the way it was because you were considered a dissident. Well, we, we find that even today. If you go to college and you write down, yes, I believe my uncle was a monkey. Well, then you're going to get a diploma and then you can go on to be a doctor or work for the Forest Service or whatever it is you might want to do. Because without a diploma from a college, which is indoctrination, you don't get the good jobs. Otherwise, you end up with a menial job. It's really kind of communism rebirth through a school system that is full of indoctrination rather than education. They don't tell you in school how to think. They tell you what to think. And don't wait till you're in college. Let's start them off when they're in elementary school. That's their problems, friend. Well, what we find here is the same thing. They were poverty. They, they had poverty because they wouldn't go along with the Roman government. But he says, but you're rich. I know the blasphemy who say they are Jews and they're not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And yes, Satan does have a place of worship, friends. And oftentimes you'll find they'll even gloss it with a cross. Do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. And by the way, 10 in the number is the number of testing. You had 10 plagues in the Old Testament. You had 10 lepers. Only one came back and said, thank you. 10 is the number of testing. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. You see, the first death is when we come to Christ. And um, we die. There are these old saying, huh, if, if you die to Christ, the second death won't hurt you. But if you don't die to Christ, that second death will finish you off. And so he says that the persecution against the early church was terrible. Some six million Christians fed to the lions. And so God had a message for this particular church, also in history. And yet even today, the persecuted church around the world, yesterday was uh, the day of the martyr. Uh, we, uh, we have uh, um, that program on CSN, and, and it's a day that they just kind of honor the martyrs that have, have died for their faith. It, it's real. Like I say, don't, don't be too bummed out. If somebody peels your Jesus bumper sticker off your forehead or off your car bumper, just know that, 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 yeah, that's their, maybe their form of persecuting you. But friends, it can get a lot worse. That's what, why a family is so important, because we love one another. Because do you realize that a lot of people in this room, because you love Jesus, their families don't want to have anything to do with them. Hey, we're having a 4th of July celebration, but don't invite our son because he's in this Jesus thing, and he doesn't want to get drunk with all of us. You're his family then. See, that's the way it works. And the Bible says that we have a family in Christ, it sticks closer. Jesus said, I'll stick closer than a brother. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you don't love your brother who you can see, how can you love me who you can't? We're God's family. I want you to remember, God loves you this morning. God's got a purpose for you. God's got an eternity for you. And don't think that just because 
You've gone through some hard things in being a Christian that God doesn't love you. There is the refining. You know, some of the things that I have found in my life that were the most painful that I had to go through, God used later on in my life to deliver me from something that I had not learned that lesson. It would have really been devastating because I'd have got suckered in. You thank God. The Bible says to thank God for all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. What's the will for your life? Thank him. Well, God, I I don't know if I can thank you for the bad things, but God, know this, he's bigger than the bad things. He can make the bad things the good things. See, you wouldn't meet, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't go places unless we went through hard times, but that's where God and how God sometimes directs us, only to bless us ultimately in the end. Let God bless you this morning. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.